Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading researchers, authors, and clinicians discussing issues in attachment theory. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. Today, Karen concludes her conversation with educator Steve Zwolak about developing emotionally responsive teachers. This is Karen Doyle Buckwalter joining you here from Chaddock for another episode of the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Today, we are going to be hearing from Steve Zwolak, and he is the CEO of the Loom Institute and the Executive Director of University City Children's Center in St. Louis. Loom uh, is L-U-M-E. He has over 50 years of experience as a student of children, tirelessly advancing and advocating for early childhood. Steve's years as a classroom teacher and a leader in the field of early childhood are what informed his Loom approach to education, which focuses, and listeners, you're going to love this, the Loom program or approach focuses on emotionally responsive teaching. This approach emphasizes that the emotional development of children is critical to a child's future success. He is gathering evidence on his approach. They're getting a lot of data collected to help support the evidence base for his approach. One of the things that he really believes in is that teachers understand that there's a major watershed from three through five years of age where children must begin to socialize their internal understanding of diversity, inclusion, and equity and make it an embedded way of life. He leans into his values of trust, compassion, empathy, love, and joy. I was just delighted with the conversation I was able to have with Steve and really eagerly anticipating sharing it with all of you. So stay tuned. Steve Zwolak from the Loom Institute in St. Louis will be coming right up. Well, hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Attachment Theory and Action podcast. I'm here with Steve Zwolak for uh, part two of our interview about early childhood education and specifically the Loom program. Steve, thanks so much for being here with us again on the podcast. Well, Karen, thanks uh, for uh, indulging uh, me and allowing me to uh, uh, share this this passion that yes. we need to spread if, if there's anything that needs to go viral. It is the necessity for us to have a deep need uh, to uh, hold the hearts and souls of our children. And when I say children, it is all of us because we are all that child. Yes. And so, you know, last week we talked about some of the ideas from attachment theory and how trauma affects educators and how traumatized many educators are. And then we have issues of trauma and attachment in the children. And then this is all coming together in classrooms where even if you didn't have those factors present can be hard to to manage just, you know, being an early childhood um, teacher. One of the things that really 
shocked me that I would like you to share with listeners is what what age children are most likely to be expelled from school? Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, that's really a kind of a fascinating experience because you know that the expulsion rate of early childhood uh, children in early childhood is three, at least three times. There's some new data out there that Walter Gilliam is, is really producing, but it's at least three times higher than any other grade level. So think about three and four year olds being expelled, actually toddlers being expelled three, three times higher than um uh, than uh, high school, uh, middle school, or elementary school uh, students, okay? That's preposterous. How, how can that even be, okay? And um, and then African-American boys or boys of color are three times higher than any other culture in the early childhood uh, arena. And again, there is data coming out on this all the time. And we've talked about zero tolerance of uh, expulsions. We're not going to do it well, but we're not giving teachers any other understanding. And we are we are masking suspensions through let's go to the quiet room. Yeah, and in their inside voices. Let's go to the quiet room, you little poop. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. there's still that stuff that the teachers have with it. So we're not giving them, we're giving them a, a, a short-term behavior thing, but not, you know, not a long-term understanding to be able to look at that child who's behaving the way they're behaving. And being able to lean into, as I, I said last last week, is about the ruthless compassion. Yeah. How do we do that? And how do we sort out what is my stuff versus their stuff? And that, go ahead. No, no. Well, I was just going to say, so as I was reading about all of that with Loom, and I, I think that last statement you made, what's their stuff and what's my stuff, I was reading this and, and, you know, so much about, um, self-reflection and reflective practice and, before we get a little bit more into that process with Loom and how you go about that in educational environments, the first thing that I was thinking as a clinician who has been around education, we have a school at Chaddock where I work and I've done training in schools, educators are often very hesitant to think this way because they feel like, hey, you're, I'm a school. I'm here to educate this. I'm not some social worker or therapist or whatever else. It almost, my experience has been, it, it can sometimes even feel threatening to their professional discipline. And I have tried to think about that sometimes. Like, do I want a teacher coming into my therapy session and saying, hey, you need to do this A, B, and C? Is that what that feels like? So the first thing I was even wondering about before getting to the actual program is how you get buy-in. Yeah. Um, and, and I and I think that that's challenging. And I think the uh, when the pain is uh, too much for teachers um, and the frustration and they realize that this is this is bleeding into my life or my life is bleeding into it. And um, and again, when we when we do the ACE assessment, that is a whack on the side of the head for educators. But we also do a. Uh, uh, we assess resiliency. And there's an interesting notion that if if teachers have high A scores, okay, I uh, in full disclosure, I have a I have an A score of six, okay. And but I have a really high resiliency score. I learned very early how to keep myself safe. And I stumbled or sp- 
I'm going to say a higher power helped me understand how to find those things that kept me safe. And um, so I have a high resiliency school score. And then there's a, 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 a certain calculation, which we're actually in the process of figuring out right now, is my own vulnerability in understanding this. So if you if you if you are vulnerable, willingly vulnerable, and Brene Brown talks about that beautifully, uh, and you have a high resiliency score and you have a high A score, you could potentially be the most ideal teacher in the world. Oh, I love that. That's so so beautiful. Yeah. And so it's not, you know, high A scores is not a, um, a death sentence. No. And, and there is a, there is a beauty in the understanding, but we're, we have not created a system where people will pause. And you, you mentioned that, you know, uh, about getting everybody kind of on the same page. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the Bruce Perry work. So the, the, the therapist, the educator, the parent, the administrators, uh, the sporting people all need to understand Steve's trauma at some level. It doesn't have to be the, all the therapeutic stuff, but this is what we need to do to support Steve. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I, it's interesting because there was a a time not too long ago I coached AAU girls basketball with great intensity and I functioned I used all of this in my coaching. Mm. And well, what you say about getting everyone on the same page I see that so much. Sometimes, you know, because we do residential treatment at Chadock, we have this opportunity. The therapist is there. The teachers are there. The caregivers are there. Everybody's there. And we being on the same page like that versus we also have day students. And our staff at the school will say we're struggling more with the day students. Theoretically, they're not as severe because they're not in residential treatment, but their outside environment can't be consistent. So you got the, uh, okay. Now we have a two day retreat happening. <laughs> no, I, I, the, you are so right. And I want to plug, I really want to put a plug in for Chaddock because what Chaddock is doing is absolutely, it's so, it has been cutting edge. You have been in the forefront of so much. And what you're talking about is what I have seen. So kudos to you because thank you for that. I, I really, really honor the fact that you you hang your whole philosophical understandings on attachment. Yes, and we better get our educational system in place. Yes, um, we've created a uh, well. We didn't create it. We we borrowed and cut and paste early childhood and mental health models uh, from through zero to uh, zero to three through. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, Oh, I, I lost the other one, and it was really keen. But we keen, but we we talk about uh, prevention, intervention, uh, promotion, prevention, intervention as an early childhood mental health model, and that's what we do. Now we're beginning again. We want to evolve that because it's really we really don't need to start thinking, particularly coming out of COVID. It's not an early childhood mental health model. We really need to begin crafting a mental health early and a mental health education model. because we know that our kids are coming to us so heartbroken and we're seeing it in in middle schools and high schools the amount of the increase in depression and and suicidality and, and and actual suicides this is horrible 
and for an industrialized nation to know that we've had a hundred years of of this sitting on a shelf, and we have we could have been creating systems over this period that are holding the hearts and souls. And when I again, when I say children, it's all of us. It's you and I, Karen. Yes. You know, so I, that we can show up for the children in the way they need. Yeah. So there's there's three key elements when we whenever we talk to anybody, it's you have to be present. You as an educator, as a parent, you have to be present for your kids. You have to be in order to connect. Yeah. And if you are present and you can connect then you can enhance your relationship. And it doesn't mean being present perfectly. Being present, we, you know, as a parent, I've made so many mistakes. And it's what we do with it. So being present, connecting, and enriching the relationships then enables, I'm going to say, students, teachers, administrators to have a sense of belonging in their space. Yes. And and I just want to give listeners context about the Loom program as they're listening to some of these components. This isn't, uh, you know, uh, I forget what the the days are called that teachers have off to go to training. Um, But this this isn't that. This is a um, three-year process where yep. you're bringing these things in. So I just want to give people the big context that this isn't just a, a, a Friday workshop uh, for educators. No, you we're are talking um, transformational change, and and it's not a. I'm going to say it's not a program. It's an understanding. So so when we think about being present, connecting and and enriching the lives of a child in order for them to feel a sense of belonging, you know, a sense of appropriate power and a sense of being loved. And again, I'm going to say we better bring love back into the into the context of our of our educational community and our workplaces. Okay, so so when we when we do when we do that work and we help begin help educators, social service folks, whoever the audience is to to lean into um, those understandings and embedded in that is, um, you know, looking at attachment styles. I, as a teacher in reflection, I struggled with kids who and families that had these kumbaya, Ozzy and Harriet uh, secure attachments. I could not, I, my inside voice on that was really challenging. And then you have, you know, and understand what does a resistant attachment look like? What's a disorganized attachment? And my particular attachment of, of desperately needed was avoidance. Mm-hmm. I just learned very early that I didn't need anybody and I couldn't trust anybody. And I had to really learn how to make my own way. And my house, my household was a place to reside. And I had to find love and care in a lot of other ways. Okay, so for teachers to understand um, within, you know, sense of belonging, love and power and present connecting and enhancing, they really need, uh, you know, you know, use their understanding about attachment and attachment styles. Yes. 
Um, and so in the work, in the work, and I'll, I'll drill down and what this loom um, understanding uh, looks like. Um, and by the way, it's L-U-M-E. I don't know if, uh, if you want to say anything about the name of it, but just um, and we'll, we'll say that again at the end. But so people yeah. know where to look and Google and things. Um the uh, it, it's it's you know as Karen was saying it's really like a, a it's in essence a three year process you know three years is kind of mushy in the world of development you know it's not like at twelve months all of a sudden I go to this higher level of understanding it's a journey <laughs> it is a journey mm-hmm. and so the first year we spend a lot of time about the knowledge what does what does um, uh, at- attachment uh, I mean what does um, um, you know, attachment look like? What does temperament look like? And again, here's another, here's another piece that I'm going to, this is a little bird walk. We spend a lot of time in teachers helping understand temperament. Okay. Yes. And what we know in temperament was uh, studied by Thomas, Thomas Alexander and Stella Chess back in the sixties. And they had this really incredible experience research project that happened that helped them identify it. And uh, so in today's language, we, we label these three temperaments as fearful, feisty, and flexible. And um, and so and they are hardwired. They are something that we are we come into this world with and people have tried to debunk it. But that was what the research that uh, uh, Alexander uh, uh, Thomas did in Stella Chess. It's really staying pretty pretty hard okay and you know when you walk into a party where do you go do you sit by the by the wall do you go into the hub of it how do you approach it so a child walking into the building for the first time how do they how do they approach so if we help people understand temperament they can on first glance begin to emotionally partner with a child who's coming in if they understand their temperament yes And this is all part of that knowledge phase from the three phases. And it's I'm looking here at my notes. It's 24 hours of instruction and six hours of reflective supervision. And I know you're changing that language um, for each participant. So, again, this is not just an in-service day. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm emphasizing that so much because I, I I get so concerned because in the years of doing this, I have seen that, you know, let's do a workshop and, you know, if you don't change the environment and the whole paradigm, you know, a couple day workshop just is just yeah. not and, and, and Karen, you're, you're really calling it. And I really want to loosen up when we say 24 hours. That sounds like the typical. This is nothing typical around this. Mm-hmm. This is pretty messy, pretty fluid. You know, we have we have a, a, a framework, a book. And, and, you know, if we're supposed to get through the first first 35 pages and sometimes after six hours, we're on page five. Mm-hmm. Okay. We spend a lot of time in helping people understand their purpose. Why? Why do you teach? Why do you go into social work? Why do you do what you do? And so often, particularly in the world of education, and you 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 all get you all have this. I do this because I just love children. I want to help them learn. Well, we poke around that quite a bit. 
because if we uh, in in our why, it's not about I love children. It is who loved me mm-hmm. and who didn't love me. Mm-hmm. And this is an important piece for me. Who helped? Who 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 helped me learn? Who 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 bastardized my learning? And our purpose, you know, there is that paradox. So I had this kumbaya family life, and I really want to perpetuate that. And I'm going into this because I feel a a purpose for this. Mm-hmm. But what? You know, um, um, uh, Leslie Coplow from Bank Street College talks about creating schools that heal, that teachers teach to heal themselves. And and I just I just lost the author's name, um, the courage to teach. Um, he talks about we teach who we are. Mm-hmm. And I found that quote so profound when I saw it in some of your yeah. other things. Yeah, and and we teach who we are, and this is what we're asking teachers, people to do is understand who are you. So in the work that we do, it's understanding the why, then understanding the why in relationship to your own temperament, and then begin understanding the why in in your your understanding of the emotional milestones which we have a map of. Okay. And in the emotional milestones, the first constellation is around attachment mm-hmm. and and, you know, be, nurturing and attunement and reciprocity are key for attachment to really happen. Yes. Now, as an infant, if you don't get those pieces and you end up having adaptive attachments, and I know there was language early on, they were talking about fractured attachments. It's not fractured. It's adaptive. No. Yes. And it's what we need. And I adapted to an avoidant attachment. We mm-hmm. adapt. So we have an adapted atta- attachment style and we continue to go through our emotional framework. And But the, it's like driving a car with a flat tire. Mm-hmm. You have a flat tire, you let the car go, it'll keep going in circles. <laughs> so you will be developing in circles. You continue to grow, but that 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 flat tire will will you know be seen and felt throughout your life unless you put some air in the tire. Right. Right. And, and 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 this is why it's prevention beginning in the first five years of life is so critical because there's enormous amount of hope. And it doesn't mean that there's not hope after. It's just that we have the most opportunity for hope. Yes. Yes. And um, I, I know that it's so true what you said in a minute ago. This needs to be for days. I'm, I'm looking at the time and we have like eight minutes left. And I'm oh. like, oh, my gosh, how do I how do I encapsulate all of the amazing information you're sharing about your beliefs and about this program? And I know um, that there are three phases a lot some of what you're talking about right here is the knowledge phase and then there's the practice and then the internalization phase and in that third in that third um phase of it i want to just say the third year the third phase it's really how do i own this how does my organization own this how to become a how do i how do i become the torchbearer of of the 
uh, to embed this in the culture. This yeah. is not a program. It is it's inculcated into the culture. Yeah, and it's a culture, are, not a program. Yeah, and and say. we. And and we have programs that we use in early childhood right now. Everybody's talking about, you know, conscious discipline and conscious discipline is fine. But what we do is give a different base for understanding conscious discipline based on my own self and yes. my own reflection. Yes. And um and and to be able to answer some of those hard questions um, um, and, and that helped me define my why and my purpose. Yeah. So we have these pieces where you own it. And throughout, there are all these, you know, in the content work and we do these reflective meetings or these dialogues and conversations there there that's probably cubed in those first three years of life because there's always we have to be an emotional partner to the organization we have to be an emotional partner to the teachers and teach the organization how to be an emotional partner in this parallel process so the administrators can do it with the teachers the teachers can be with children Yes. But knowing that 61% of the, the, the children in the Medicaid system have are traumatized, 60% of teachers are highly traumatized. So there is a parallel process. Yes, yes. That they and, are going to need support and holding in order to provide this for the children. Yeah. So uh, our loom loom approach uh, is 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 a way to think about it, and then in the and really in that ownership of it. What, you know, we still have to teach kids. Still, kids still have to learn. But we know that children l learn. Uh, through relationships. So if we have, if we help teachers develop stronger relationships with children, that they're more ready to learn. I mean, just think of the teachers who loved you and how much you wanted to learn for them. Okay. So uh, we learn, um, you know, we, we learn through relationships. Martin Buber, who was a philosopher of a hundred years ago, a Jewish philosopher, he talked about the I, it, and the I, thou. And 85%, and I'm that was an old, that's an old figure. I don't know what it is today. 85% of a teacher's day is on I it things. That's management, getting talking at kids, getting them from point A to point B. 15% is the relationships. Well, Boober would say, flip this. Everything works when you have a relationship, when you are in your I thou with a child, when you are in that relationships with a child, that the I it things, the management things work easier because kids know that you love them and that you are an emotional partner. So when we look at content, whether it's whether you want to go down the STEAM approach or it's literacy, literacy is just a tool for helping teachers understand what's going on inside the heart and soul of a child. Yes. One so, of the things that you said in your TED talk, which everybody should run out and listen to after the podcast, um, <clears throat> was that kids take academic risk when they feel safe. Yep. So if a child has an emotional, first of all, we have to understand Maslow's, you know, their, their physical care that has to be taken care of. But it is really if they have an emotional partner, 
and they know that a teacher or an adult is going to be there for them. Then as they, and you think about it, the baby crawling on the floor and they are starting to reach out in their toddlerhood and they bite children or do whatever they do. That's they're taking social risk. And, but they've taken those social risk knowing that I have an emotional partner to help me through those social risk. And as the teacher intervenes and gives them social confidence that there's an emotional partner, now the child has, has the, the confidence emotionally and socially. And then I can sit down into the higher level thinking of content and math and all that and take risk and innovate, knowing that I'm not going to be shamed and they're yes. not going to put a red pen to my to my uh, to my work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so and we've seen the residual of of that red pen that un, that you know that people not understanding that I have an emotional partner in academics it's often loaded with shame yes so you know the work is so imperative right now when we think about uh, wellness of children wellness of educators wellness of social service workers um it is right now we have a season right now folks just right now yes well there seems to be an appetite yeah so so steve somebody listening and thinks i want to know more about loom or how how could this be implemented in a, a school that i know about what where where should people go to find out about all yeah. of this well they can certainly go to um you know our website and i'm and i do this with i'm going to do this with frequency you can call me I mean, here's my cell number, and this is this is this is the real deal. 314-853-7900. And I'll get you to the right place. Uh I will help you. Um, I will introduce you to Peaches Lot, who is one of our uh, uh outstanding um um, specialist uh, who understands this work, but you can call me again, 314-853-7900 or go to the Loom website, uh, um, uh, loom.org, I'm sorry, loom.org and um, poke around and, and, or just call because the reality of this, we have to find real people's voices in this. Yes. You know, so let's find ways to get out of this virtual world and back to a phone call, back to a meeting, back to it. Yes, yes. Oh, Steve, this has been so amazing. I knew it was going to be a fantastic interview, but it has surpassed all expectations. Oh, you're so kind. I hope you'll consider it encore because I have so many other things in my notes that I wanted to talk to you about. There's never enough time. Yeah. Well, and the nice thing is, which people need to understand, we are creating data on this. We have figured out the messiness and how to measure this. So when you work with us, you also will be able to tap into uh, the the process of our data collection. And in many cases, we are doing the data collection for you and helping you analyze analyze it and putting into a bit of... I'm very glad that you mentioned that because, you know, it's 
it's all about evidence these days and you know building that component in is so important so well thank you so much steve for giving your time to me to the attachment theory in action podcast and chadock which is who produces the podcast so grateful thank you so much well uh, karen thank you and and anybody who is listening i i really mean it please you know reach out um um in, in this season of my life my whole my whole goal is to hold the heart and souls of our community differently so that's my that's because my why is i am not going to let children experience what i experienced Mm -hmm. and and i can share those experiences and help educators really look at that lens thank you very much thank you Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for future episodes. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please visit tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.